You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hello, listeners. Welcome to a new year and new tech. Uh, I'm hoping everybody has survived the Christmas holidays, whether you celebrate Christmas or not, um, and has not, you know, overdone it on Christmas pudding or uh, mince pies or anything else. Uh, And here we are in a new year. And uh, Nick is back. Hello, Nick. Hi, Simon, and Happy New Year, everybody. Yes, indeed. Uh, And Jim is here as well. Hello, Jim. Hello there. Hello there. Yep, we're all it's we're a all fine drich night tonight. Ah, uh, well, it's not drich here, but it's bloody cold. I can tell you that it's bloody cold. So there we are. Uh what's happening? It's a new year. Um, the iPhone has turned fifteen. CES sort happy of happened. Happy birthday to you. Yes, happy birthday to you. <laughs> uh, CES sort of happened. Uh, Apple's top silicon guy has gone back to Intel, apparently. China fired up a fusion reactor, and uh, BlackBerry is finally dead. BlackBerry have turned off their BlackBerry servers, or whatever it was, for the BBM messaging or something. Anyway, God, I did. Which was still going. Yes, it's one of those. It's like, wow, BlackBerry is dead. I'm surprised they were actually still going. But they have been supporting BlackBerry uh, messaging, I believe, via their servers, but they've finally turned it off. So anybody who's got an actual BlackBerry that's not an Android phone, it's now effectively dead. There we go. I suppose that's a bit sad in a way, but also, well, say la vie, I suppose. Um, so... Yeah. If I'd got a if I'd got a wah, 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 sound effect I'd play it. <laughs> uh here we go. What like um where is it? Where is it? Where is it? There we go. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So yes, fifteen years of the iPhone. Um the exact date I believe was I don't know. It was last week, anyway, over the last week. Sixth, possibly? Seventh? Can't remember. Um, There we go. That, that seems like a long time ago, and yet no time at all. Um, Yeah. I, yeah, I remember right. getting yeah. the first iPhone, and uh, after a few months or two, uh, gave me a brand new phone, the, the second version, because the time that one came out, the first one came out, it was well and, due, well and truly due a, a refresh. So I ended up selling that phone, and now I regret it. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. I just held on to it. You think about it, $499, say, say 500 quid. That was a bargain if you compare it to today's prices. It was 400, oh, yeah. £450, they were, yeah. plus, a, plus so, the contract. What would that be Having in today's that, prices? Whoa, 15 years on, well, probably a lot more. Probably double. So it's cheaper oh, than the current know. phone, mind you. Because interest rates haven't been particularly high, have they, for mm. quite a while? So who knows? No, who knows? Still, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, I mean, it was it was brilliant, but it was very limited when it first came out. Oh, it was um, incredibly limited. And yet, it's yeah. still it, it was still you know the best thing since sliced bread. 
Oh yeah, but where we when you look at where we are now, I mean, you realise just how much we've moved on in those years. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're indispensable now. You know, phones are just everywhere, um, and everyone can take photographs and record stuff and videos, and it's a very different world. No, it's very much like the uh, the the old uh, uh, movie uh, Wally, where everybody's got their face in their phones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, very bring back the good old days. Well, I have to admit I had the first because I was never much of a mobile phone person. I had mobile phones. The first time I um well, my wife forced me to get a mobile phone while she was pregnant with our first child. Um so I had a mobile phone. I had a couple of Alcatels. Um but when the iPhones came out, I was sort of you know, it's a lot of money. Um my yeah. wife, my wife wanted one, so I think I bought her one for her birthday. No, maybe just because it came, or Christmas, maybe because it didn't come out here till November, did it? It was it was announced in January, mm-hmm. launched in the US in June, I think, and here it didn't launch until November. Which, yeah. um, right. l- like you, Jim, when the three G came out. Mm-hmm. O2 didn't let me have one for free, but they let me upgrade for a, a very small fee, and I'd only had the original for about a year, something like that, um, because, well, because they wanted to promote the new one, basically. Mm. And the, the, the surprising yeah. thing was, that this, the, when I said, do you want this one back? No, there isn't one back. No, I just keep it. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I gave mine yes, away it, uh... many years after it was out of service mm-hmm. but um i gave yeah. it to somebody my, to my use first phone was ipod but um so what what was your yeah, first, first I, uh, what was your first mobile phone what mine yeah what, uh, what was the first one you ever bought the first deck? i had the first phone i had was the alcatel um the one which was very small for the time and it had a little stubby aerial and it it was on all the carriers. It was very, very popular. It was small for the time, but compared to the ones that followed it a couple of years later, it was huge. But um, I don't yeah. remember what it the was fir- called now. The first phone I had was a, a Nokia, I think. And I think it was supplied by work. I don't think I bought one for myself. I could never see the point of a mobile, <laughs> mobile phone. Uh, it's one of those things where you think, why do I want com- the, my company to be able to contact me at all times of day? I really don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in 2007, I, I, I didn't buy the first iPhone. In 2007, in November, which is when you said they, they actually released it in the UK, I just bought my first Mac. So uh, I just spent a lot of money on a Mac. <laughs> yeah. So I couldn't afford a mobile phone. Uh, so I didn't start until the 3GS. That was my first, uh, my first iPhone. Well, my, my my first mobile phone was a Motorola, and it looked like a TV remote, um, and it was on Virgin Mobile. Ah, right. When Virgin was Virgin and not uh, what it is now. Yeah. Um, and all you could do was make calls and text messages. Yeah. I kind of harken back to those days, the simplicity of it. <laughs> you can still get them. Yes, you oh, can. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Still get phones like that, yeah. I, I, I did try a punked MP02. I think it lasted two days and sent it back. Not because oh, right. of the, not because of the fact that you know I didn't have web and all the rest of it. Some of it was the software was so dreadful oh, it should dear. never have been released. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, that was my first phone. 
I've just looked it up. The oh, one, okay. the one that I had, the first iPhone, um, first iPhone, the first mobile phone I had was the Alcatel One Touch, which was um, very popular at the time. Um, mm. Everybody carried it. Um, if you look it up, you'll see it. It's um, it looks ludicrously antiquated by modern standards, but uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. small, of course, because they're, they're... Well, that wasn't that got, got... small. It wasn't that small because a couple of years later, they started making these things that were absolutely tiny, fit in the palm of your oh, hand. Oh, yeah, and then they went on went on to the clamshell ones, didn't they, which were even tinier still. Yeah, yeah things like the StarTac, Motorola StarTac, and the Razor. Oh, the Razor, yeah. yeah. I, I actually had the first, the first phone, which was a Motorola that had iTunes on it. If you remember way, way back, Apple did a, a thing with uh, Motorola where they, you could put iTunes onto it, and I yep. had one of those. The Rocker. It was not a success. No, it, the Rocker. It the, the, uh, the Rocker. one of them. And you could put 100 songs on it, I believe. You could connect it to your iTunes and store 100 mm-hmm. songs on it. Oh. What was your most favourite so mobile phone? Um, mm-hmm. Of all. I probably the, the one I have the most fondness for, I think, is probably the iPhone four. I really mm-hmm. liked the iPhone four, and the five was quite nice. The, the I liked the sandwich design of the four. I know a lot of people didn't because it was heavier and chunkier and it had a glass back. Um, but I actually really liked that design, and actually I remember that when images of it leaked prior to release, I looked at it and thought, nah, I can't see Apple doing that. But when it came out um, and I got one, I, I learned, I learned, came to really love that phone. Um, I think uh, the one I loved most was probably the 6 because I'd been desperate for a larger phone for ages and I'd ended up having two Android phones, which were fine. I can't really run them down. They weren't bad at all. Uh, I had two Android phones and then I came back into the Apple Fold with the 6 and because at last they'd made one the size I wanted. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So uh, I didn't go for the, I've never gone for the really big ones, but I, but I just wanted something a bit bigger than that they were offering with the 5. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. My favorite, most favourite mobile phone was a phone that I actually didn't get. Um, and the, the reason why I didn't get it was I actually won this phone in a competition. Oh, right. But it got stolen in the place it was doing the promotion. Oh, no. Uh, so I never got it. And it was the Ericsson T28. And for years, oh. I wish I'd got one. And uh, eventually, I managed to pick up a refurbished second-hand one, which I used for a very short time because it wasn't very well refurbished. But that was my <laughs> that was my most favourite phone ever. It was a beautiful design. Uh, and if they would bring out a 5G version of it now, I'd buy it. Uh, but all it did was, as I say, calls and text messages. But it was a cracking wee phone. Beautiful design. Back in the days when we used to f- use phones as... Phones. Well, phones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. When now the phone app is probably the least used app on the phone. There we go. Uh, yeah. What, yeah. What was the What was the phone you hated the most? Oh, uh, hated I'm the not most. Sure I had a phone I hated. I had um I had for a very short time a Motorola flip phone um and I couldn't get on with it. I had about I think I had it for about a month. And got rid of it. I don't remember which one it was. Might have been the StarTac, one of the StarTac, but 
I didn't, I couldn't get on with it at all. It was so tiny that the buttons, it was like, you know, absolutely microscopic. And uh, it looked cool. Oh, and right. it, well, it, you know, it, 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 it was a flip phone and uh, it was not very big. It was quite popular for, it was quite popular for them to make the keyboards sort of recessed. Do you know what I mean? Where the buttons were recessed. And yes. when you pressed them, it just felt really weird. <laughs> I'm not sure what all that was about, but. <laughs> well, they had some. They did. I remember. Yeah, they had a lot of things. I remember um, a friend and colleague of mine, and this is way before the um, way before the you know the iPhone was even thought of. Uh, had he bought a phone which was featured in a um, I don't know some like James Bond or something, and um, yeah, it, it like looked really cool, and he got one, and he lasted about two weeks with it because it was so tiny. And the buttons were so small that he just couldn't, he couldn't handle it. He couldn't, you know, he found himself misdialing all the time and all sorts of things. He got really, really annoyed with it. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. It, it, it was featured in this film and it, it, it looked cool and it was all very slick for the time. And at, at that time, if you remember, the, the trend was to make the damn thing smaller and smaller. So they're practically no bigger than the palm of your hand. Um yeah, and it, they yeah. were all trying to do something to differentiate themselves, weren't they, in the market? And yeah, that that was the thing. And some some of the things were a success, and some of the things really weren't. Exactly. And it, you know, this this I'm I'm sure most of the people who listen to this show will remember it. But who remembers the craze in the days where there were aerials, little stubby aerials on on mobile phones? Oh, you could yeah. buy you could buy those. You could buy. Um, replacement screwing aerials that had kind of lights in them. So when when a call was coming, the thing would flash. <laughs> you remember that? That was all the rage. <laughs> they were they were all the rage for a while. What was the one you? Sorry, Jim. What was the one that you hated most, Nick? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. I I ever hated any of the phones that I had uh, particularly. Uh, the last phone I had from work. Um, was um, had had a sort of like web experience on it, but it really was dreadful. I mean, yeah, I can understand why the iPhone was so popular when it came out because this must have been around about that time, um, and it did have web features. But oh, oh wow, they literally were phone features, uh, and it well, uh, yes, it could have been, could have been WAP. It oh, it was horrible. It just didn't work. <laughs> I tried using it a few times, and thought, oh, no, I'm never, never going to use this. Well, the other the other thing was so, at the uh, time it was all right as a it was all right as a phone, but yeah. Well, I I remember that I saw an article the other day actually saying the one button on the you know on the original razor that you should never press, and that was a it was a thing about WAP, which a was useless and horrible, um, but also. If you were on, um, you know, there were extra charges for connecting to WAP. So if you were on pay-as-you-go, which most yeah. of us probably were at the time, you would get charged, you know, like 50p a minute to access WAP. So if you ever accidentally pressed the WAP button, you would, like, be frantically pressing, cancel, cancel, cancel. <laughs> Trying to, t- or t- turning the phone off to kill it, you know. My my hated one was the Galaxy S3. Um I can't remember if it was an iPhone 4 or an iPhone 5 I had at the time. Uh, I just hated the small size of the phone. Uh, and the Galaxy was much larger. I thought, okay, I'm going to jump ship and get the Galaxy. Uh, I think I lasted two months. Uh, and I went back to the, the iPhone 
dropped I dropped the Galaxy phone twice, so I broke the screen. And oh various other things happened. I thought, oh, I'm going back to the iPhone. So I went back to the iPhone. That was my most hated phone. And then well, I say I had two two uh, two Android phones, and I can't remember what they were now. One was called the One, but I can't remember who the people. The company that made it, um, and uh, but it was it was good. It, the, the the I actually found the transition across to Android easier than I thought I was going to, um, and I actually found one or two apps that you could download that would download your contacts and things off the iPhone and that kind of thing. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I found the experience with Android not too bad. But then I'd, I didn't have them very long, really. And then I was back in the iPhone fold again. And I must admit, I felt much happier being back in the iPhone fold, even though even though I hadn't hated the Android uh, experience. Well, I think that's... Yeah. yeah, go on, Jim. Sorry. No, I was, I was just going to say, uh, you'll, you'll remember the, uh, the introduction of the first iPhone. Oh, Steve yes. introduced it. That, the most memorable. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I've watched that so many times. Yeah, that is yeah. just a... it's still, it still excites me. <laughs> Even it's now. a brilliant, yeah. a brilliant piece of presentation and showmanship. You know, mm-hmm. are you there's getting it? Three... <laughs> yeah, there's been, there's been, there's been a bit. What, three... what, I, what I found quite, what I found quite amusing was they obviously hadn't at that point when he said, oh, "Are you getting it?" They still hadn't really understood no. until he said the iPhone, and then they understood. <laughs> I think the three most memorable events in Apple was the one when they they built a, uh, a laptop on the stage. Um, way, way, way back in the early days, that's they assembled it. That was um, that wasn't actually a laptop. That was the Macintosh portable. Was it a computer? Yeah. Well, no, it, it was the portable, which was like yeah. about the size of an electric and then, typewriter, and the the screen was yeah. flipped up from the keyboard. Um, Jean Louis Gasset was the one who right. built that on stage. Yeah, and then the next one was the, the iPhone introduction, and then Steve Jobs and the original uh, MacBook Air. Yeah, and then when the yeah, 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 they were. Yeah, they're memorable times, definitely memorable. Mm. Yep. Well, done. we've done we've done that question well, haven't we? Gosh, that's point one. <laughs> oh, there we are. So, so yes, happy birthday. Yes, happy, happy birthday, birthday iPhone. iPhone. As we go off down memory lane, the product that changed the world it really did. You know, there aren't many products does, you yeah. can. Yeah. You know, it totally changed the world. You don't get many of those in your lifetime, I can assure you. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, Apple. For most folk, Sorry, Jim? No, I was just going to say, for most folk, the iPhone now is the only computer they need. Mm. Yeah, true. Or the Android. Um, I haven't put a link into it, but I saw um, uh, a report this week that a survey uh, in the US, this is, says that uh, 87% of US teenagers now own an iPhone. Now, it's nowhere near that high in this country, I can wow. assure you. But um, in the US, the iPhone That's is... an amazing like, figure. ...got a massive, massive hold on the market. Um, it's much less over here because That's I see remarkable. very large numbers of people with um, Android phones. But then again, a lot of Android phones yes. over here, I think, are subsidised, whereas the Americans stopped doing subsidies on phones, didn't they? I think they may have uh, banned the carriers from right. doing it. Um, so over here, quite often, you can go into a shop and they'll be pushing, you know, whatever Android phone at heavily discounted, you know, um, upfront yes. costs. Um, but there you go. Um, you're, but you're right, Jim. You know, your smartphone, be it an Android or a um 
an iPhone is very much for most people all the computer they want because for many years I would say say you know people would buy um you know really expensive computers to use them to do what you know a glorified typewriter and surf the web um yeah there we are um which is why mobile has taken over the world really it really is anyway uh apple apparently briefly touched the three trillion market cap uh over the last week didn't last very long (sighs) but you know whatever yeah it's a bit a little bit obscene but there we go we could start bringing the prices down on the products now they have three trillion pounds in the bank. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, uh, yeah. Share the love. Yeah. Have you mm. actually? Uh, you do actually know how um, our economy works, don't you? <laughs> our economy works by charging what what you can get away with. Yeah. <laughs> and market Kill trap. Hope. I can assure you, market trap <clears throat> is the equivalent of going to the bookies. It really is. It's just what people are betting on. Not worth anything, really. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, there we go. Um, there was a home kit uh death spiral bug found this week. Um, apparently it is possible to craft a malicious device on a home kit network. Um, and then if you invite somebody to join it, when they join it, it will continually uh freeze, crash, and restart itself. Um, and the pa- apparently the only way to is get out the of one it. Where- is this the really is this the one that's we it's very very long yes um apparently i was yeah. going to say the bug causes an effective phone or ipad to freeze reboot loop when a home kit device is given an extremely long name of around 500,000 characters um uh, <laughs> yeah as right. you would Yes, you would. As you would. I just want it to be secure. So hold on a minute. I better put in 500,000 letters. <laughs> yes. For, for my... Oops, I lost count. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, that's right. Get three quarters of the way through. I think, oh, I think I've changed that letter. <laughs> oh, what was that letter last time? <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, the, the, uh, the advice is... Um, it says uh, the researchers has reported the bug to Apple, uh, despite them confirming this issue and me urging them uh, over the mar- last four months to take it. Little has been done. Yeah, because like as you say, persons all over the place put in five hundred thousand character uh, devices, um, and the simple answer is don't connect to you know invitations to HomeKit Home networks if you don't know who they are. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, this strikes me as more of a proof of concept than anything else because yeah. it, it, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't allow people access to your phone or anything else. It simply crashes the phone. And then every time it tries to reboot, it, it tries to reload the HomeKit info from iCloud and uh, crashes again. So, you know, it's, you have it's, to do... It's with, a little bit like the story we had... Was it last year where we had the story about the weird character, or was that the year mm. before? Oh, well, they're they're been... all merging into one. Yeah, well, there's <laughs> there's been several of the you know character bomb things that have been discovered, yeah. so you know, they come along every so often. Uh, yeah, don't connect. I'm sure, they'll to... fix it at some point. Don't connect to weird crap. Is the simple answer. Um, there we are. Oh, the only way out of it is to do a full restore and don't log into your iCloud account until you've deleted the uh, the rogue HomeKit network. But as most people were not like, and of course, to... that's only if you're using that's only if you're using HomeKit, of course, which a lot of us aren't. <laughs> no, a lot of us aren't, and I'm 
I'm sure most of us don't, you know, agree to join random <laughs> home kit network. <laughs> That's right. Oh, some no. weird geezer I've never heard of has asked me to connect to his or her home kit network. Well, yeah, I'll just do that and see what's going on. No. I'll just do that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. Uh, uh, what else? That's right. His, 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 home kit, his home kit name is John Smith. Was a very nice bloke once upon a time. Yeah. <laughs> there were three wolves that lived in there. <laughs> you could go on 500,000 characters. Well, it's a device inside the network that, that causes the problem, not the original, not the network name. You have to name yes. a device on the network with 500,000 characters. There's got to be an easy way around that. Oh, right. You, okay. Yeah. Apple should just limit the number of characters you can have on a, on a device. You know, Absolutely, I'm surprised. It, I'm surprised yeah. you could add five hundred thousand characters to a device name. But there we go. That's that's just how it is. Um, that was that one. Uh, Apple has lost its lead silicon designer Jeff Wilcox to Intel, apparently, according to Apple Insider. Um, and this is several places. Uh, and he's the guy who is uh obviously Apple silicon lead and uh, T2 security processor developer. Um, and apparently he's leaving Apple to rejoin Intel and uh, to oversee the architecture for Intel system on a chip designs. Um, I don't put much, uh, I don't put much on this, I'll be honest. I mean, these kind of, I've said it before, these kind of people, no, do I. you know, uh, write their own checks and go where they like. And um, my initial thought was, Okay, he's been head of the uh, transition to Apple Silicon and obviously, no doubt, you know, designing the M1 architecture, which will no doubt, you know, be reiterated into M2 and M3 and so on. I suspect that that was probably a fabulous challenge for him. And bearing in mind that these things are planned years in advance, from his point of view, I suspect that that job is done. That, you know, the design of the M1 or M, whatever, architecture, is now complete. Um, and it will be iterated on, you not, know. Not, not, I mean, on. I'm not sure how all IT companies, I'm not sure how all IT companies work, but just because he's the leader doesn't mean he actually does the designs. And I know it says um, that it, that he's all he was also in, influent, influential in the TT security processor development, but again, it doesn't mean that he designed it all himself. Oh no! Of course it does. That's how it, it that's how it sounds, doesn't it? Oh yeah, as talk, if he's the when one, they say a lead man. developer has left. I mean, yeah. he, he might be an architecture designer. In fact, he probably is an architect yes, designer. Possibly. So his job is to figure out how are we going to do this, and then there are engineers below him who actually go about make make that work. Yeah, making that a reality. He's probably just felt. Yeah, yeah. He probably just thought he needed a, a a new challenge, and it was an intelligent move. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Thank but, you, Jim. Uh, no, exactly, Jim. <laughs> exactly. If you imagine that as a project, so he, he went there and they said, right, after the T2, you know, they said, right, well, now we're going to do all this. We're going to move on to uh, an Apple Silicon design and we need we need to create, you know, a desktop chip and uh, like with an expansible architecture that we can be iterated on for, I don't know, the next 10 years or something. And that would be a huge project, wouldn't it? And a massive challenge and a, probably a fantastic thing to work on. But that yeah. is effectively done now. From his point of view, that architecture has been designed and built and made to work mm-hmm. and will get iterated on with yeah, M2, and M3. And so 
you know, right. the strategy is there. So. Yeah, he's built. You know, he's built the design. Well, the, the last of the sorry, Jim. No, I was just going to say the last of the last of the M one moves is due this year. So all the, all the actual development works is done and dusted. So yeah, exactly. Challenges to find another challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I suspect he's simply gone because suspect, Intel. Have probably, what I think I suspect Intel have said, well, if you're done yeah. with that. You know, because do you want to just keep on iterating on that for the next 10 years? No, he doesn't. He's an architecture designer, mm. almost certainly. And, so... by, and, by the, and by the way, look, we've got some money. Well, yeah, I'm sure there was some of that. But, but yeah, most of these probably people... Be financially motivated as well. But most of these people have enough money. You know, they right. earn so much money, it doesn't really matter. I don't think that's not what, that's not what motivates them. I suspect the, the motivation No, is, you're probably right. I can go to Intel and use my skills to try and see what I can do on Intel architecture to create better yeah. systems on a chip for them. But, I mean, and he worked for Intel before he went to Apple. So, yes, yeah. you know, this is not so like... So I think what we're saying overall is that it's not, a, it's not that significant a move, really. No, no. And it's we've, a, it's a sensible move for him. Yeah, It's significant yeah, the, for him. It's a real worry for Apple what he takes with him, knowledge-wise. Um, yeah, but some of it will be... Some of it will be um, under non-disclosure uh, yeah, but, stuff, as, which he, you know, he, he won't be able to take with him. But of course, his knowledge of how it's been put together mm-hmm. um, is bound to. I mean, you, when you go and work for a new company, it's not like you can actually just hive off what you've done before. I think um, the whole. I I suspect the whole thing there he, is. Of course, he's going to take some knowledge with him. But... Yeah, but it's knowledge. It's knowledge of how to build systems on a chip. If he's going to a complete new architecture, yeah. it's not. It's not nothing that he did for Apple is going to be particularly relevant unless Intel start putting him on well, no, building something no. on ARM, and That's they're right. not going to. They're not going to put him on building ARM chips. They're going to put him on building Intel. SOCs. So that's what they want him for. They want to try and see if they yeah. can catch up in some respect, which is a great challenge for him. And and as I and we've said it about other people who've who've left yeah. Apple in the past. You know, I, I'm pretty sure some of these top flight yes. people they just move from challenge to challenge, and um, mm. that's what they yeah, do. Not every not every move by every not every move by every senior person is a portent of doom. No, not at all. So. Not at all. So there we go. That that was that. Um, so that's pretty much all of the Apple news, I think. I can't. I, I don't remember anything else coming up this week. Um, of course, we had CES, um, sort of. Uh, much reduced. Most of the big companies pulled out and said they're going to go virtual because of Omicron. Um, there was still an in-person CES in Las Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. Because I suspect, I mean, for a lot of smaller companies, once they've committed that money, they probably can't afford to pull out. Um, Possibly, yeah. So there you go. So um, the ones that caught my eye, I have to say, uh, distance wireless charging made a minor comeback at CES 2022 from Wired. Um, Now, you know, distance wireless charging is something that I really, really um, like. It's something that um, fires my imagination. Several companies here are apparently, you know, showing signs of progress. Um, this year, Samsung have an Eco TV remote. Um, 
Its predecessor relied on solar energy, but the new model adds radio frequency harvesting and it grabs radio waves bouncing around your home emitted by any RF devices like Wi-Fi routers and converts them back into energy, um, which is something I've kind of fantasized about for a long time. We live in an RF soup. Is there not some way we can recover some of that uh, some way or other? Um, I mean, this is a long way off being a commercial product, all, pretty much all of it. Um, it's, but it's an it's interesting... It's amazing how it's taken so long to actually get to this stage. Because it's 100 years since Tesla actually demonstrated it. Yep, but because the truth is it's actually incredibly inefficient most of the time and um, mm, mm. Dif- difficult to achieve. Um, but, you know... Although, I mean, they've managed to, they've managed to make close wireless charging very efficient now yeah it, it was it was very inefficient for a long time and they've, they've now managed to do that so perhaps at some point they will get to a point where just picking up energy out of the air will be possible in that way who knows who knows it's um, you know um they've got a company here uh called uh um this one called guru um where you have um you know an actual transmitter uh, which targets one of them uses um, focused beams, which can track the device they're charging around the room. Um, I mean, this is a moderately uh, involved article, so I'm not going to read through it all. But if you're interested in that sort of thing, I found it heartening. Let's just put it that way: um, that people are not giving up. People are this. still working on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, here we oh, are. Interesting. Guru. Um, right. Uh, the Guru Company might be a few steps ahead of its peers. It used RF lensing to send, fo- send focus beams from a generating unit known as the Goo to a recovery unit, Roo, hence Guru. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, showed a pair of tiny chips with built-in antennas the size of a Lego block. The company has developed flexible materials enabling the technology to work in different devices. Um, we are the only company which can do multiple watts of power to multiple devices in multiple meters at the same time. Um, there we are. So, you know, no, people, it's an interesting article, I have to admit. People, you know, like anything from sci-fi, people will keep plugging away at it. And, you know, maybe eventually it won't necessarily, you know, I don't think it's going to power your smartphone any time soon. Don't get me wrong. But things like, you know, yeah, like AirPods could possibly, you know, recover partial charge from RF soup and so on. There we go. If you're interested in that sort of thing, I suggest you read the article. I it's a thing of mine. It's a, you know, it's a thing that I that I I dream about. No more cables because I hate cables. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mashable have won the best tech of uh, CES 2022. Um, it says the revolutionary, innovative, wacky tech of CES 2022. Um, and they've picked a few things. There's the uh, Razer um, mask, which is uh, originally was dubbed Project Hazel. Um, and this is a, you know, a, a smart mask with air filters and all sorts of things. And for no good reason, it's got flashing, you know, LED bars and things on it. Um <laughs> And there's probably a ludicrous amount of course you of don't money. want to... Yeah, of course you don't want to attract attention to yourself, do you? No. 
<laughs> well, I expect if you've spent uh, an obscene amount of money on buying one of these, I, you probably do. You want everybody to know that you've got one, which is why it's got all... And the the, the bars on it at the front, uh, on, on the moment, in the picture, look dangerously like the rings on your Alexa going round. <laughs> <laughs> they do a bit, yeah. Sort of yeah. blue and green circling around. Anyway, there you go. Uh, yeah, somewhat. Yeah, uh, you, could, you, could have a, you could have a whole head helmet, you know. When you talk through it, you could go. Yeah. Well, <laughs> use use the force, Luke. It's time to get aggressive for making these obscene phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> what does it say here? Um, the mask fil- features two two way air filtering, fans, customizable color lights via a connected app, and a voice amplification uh, module. So uh, you know what? No, no phone calls. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Why does it not connect to your smartphone so you can talk through it? Um, I mean, voice amplification. How long will it be before, exactly as Jim says, somebody hacks that with a voice modulator so you can sound like Darth Vader when you speak? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Your lack of compliance yeah. is disappointing. Amazing. It's amazing what some uh, some people think of, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Then they've got that. There's one here which is a, a somewhat. Uh, there's a thing called La Vitra invites you to completely eliminate home privacy, a full screen video portal that connects to your co-workers because Zoom isn't enough. Knock on the screen like an office door and a co-worker can step into view. And it's like a, like a full length mirror uh, panel. It's like, yeah, lovely. Thank you. That's going to sell like hotcakes. <laughs> Not. As they say here. It's constantly on, albeit blurred for privacy if required. Who needs a work-life balance anyway? So, um... <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. That was a, a, one of their... Um, um, L'Oreal have launched a colour sonic at-home hair dye wand, which apparently promises to make colouring your hair as seamless as brushing it. Okay, um, well, there you go. You can tell, <laughs> can't you, that all the big, all the big companies aren't there. <laughs> It's all these little companies trying all sorts of weird and wonderful um, things. Car tech, of course, was everywhere. We won't bother to go into that. Um, the, 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 probably the big one, which has been all over the news, um, John Deere uh, have debuted its autonomous tractor, which can definitely drive itself, um, because I'm sure navigating a field is a lot less difficult than navigating a road. Um Absolutely. Basically, a robot self-driving tractor. So you could, you know, uh, if you can afford one, you could put it on your field and tell it to plough it. And allegedly it will do it. Um, when I was uh, when I was out for my uh, my lunchtime walks, I used to go out for a lunchtime walk when I worked in Coventry City Centre. And um, the only place nearby that had got any kind of greenery or trees or things was a cemetery. So, so I used to go around this cemetery quite often. Uh, but just outside the cemetery was this big grassy mound. And um, I got there. I was walking down there one lunchtime, and there were some guys there from obviously from Coventry City Council, and they they were demoing a remote control um grass cutter which was amazing so this was you know this was quite this isn't just like a, a robotic lawnmower this is a, a thing with about you know five million wheels on it and yeah <laughs> a great big thing uh but uh, and there was literally a guy standing next to it with a little a little remote control like you'd have for a for a uh 
Oh, yeah. What do you call them? The things that fly. Well, like an, yeah, <laughs> a, drone. Like a drone. Yeah, yeah. Quad, quadcopter like drone. For a, like for a drone, but he was actually driving the, the grass cutter. I thought, oh, that's cool. I don't think they bought one. Because <laughs> I've not seen one since, but I thought it was cool anyway. Yeah, amazing. Um, this yeah, one, that, when you think about it, that's quite revolutionary. That that the the um, the farming one, that's quite revolutionary in many ways. Because um, I mean, if you watch, um, I don't know whether either of you watch the the um, what's his name, the car guy. Yeah, Jer- Clarkson's farm on his. Yeah, Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, Clarkson's Ooh. farm. Um, but but what was interesting was how how you have to be so um, that it's all about timing, getting getting the getting the stuff in, and you have to get it in with a limited amount of time. Well, think how much easier it would be if you could just send out a load of these things to get it yeah. get it done. Yeah, you don't have to employ all those people, or, yeah. or you don't have to be working into the middle of the night because you well, the have other, to get it all done. The, yeah, the other, I think it's quite the revolution. With that. I mean, the other thing about Clarkson's farm, which I know he he plays up to it that I'm an idiot and I don't know anything. Oh, of course he does. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, the the guy who's his farmhand, uh, Caleb. There's the there's the bit yes. where he, he tells him how to plough the field, and Clarkson, you know, is rubbish. Of course he is. And doesn't do what he tells him. But, you know, Caleb is saying there's all these, you know, you've got to do this, you've got to go here, and so many, and then you run one without to put the tram lines in. And and he does it all wrong. And Caleb comes back and he is absolutely furious. And it's not put on for the cameras. You can tell he is absolutely livid. And he says, where are the tram lines? And yeah. he's going, well, I kind of forgot. And he's like, you absolute idiot. Like, they're not straight, and it, it's, like, farcical. And then he explained the point of the tram lines is to allow you to know where to, um, you know, to, to navigate because it's, like, you do so many passes. Yes. And then the tram lines allow you to navigate across the field so that you're neither over-plowing something you've already ploughed nor missing any bits. And he goes, when we come to do the weed spraying, yeah, exactly. we'll have yeah. no idea what we're doing. Um, so it's much more, you know, technical. But yeah, now I remember that one because Clarkson was like, "Well, it'll be all right," and he's like, "No, it bloody won't." And then he's like, "I'll buy you a beer," and the bloke just <laughs> storms off to his car, slams the door, and drives off. And he's like, "No, it's buying me a beer is not going to make up for the complete and utter mess you've made of this field." Oh dear, yeah, but made good, good, it made good TV though. Yes, it did make good. <laughs> I TV. mean, you, we all know that he was doing it on. We all knew he was doing it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, of course, but um, but uh, yeah, but no, no, I'm, no, I'm. But with with going back to the story, I I I think that's quite important because yes, uh, it is, it is, it is very much so. Getting labour, getting labour who know what they're doing is actually becoming <laughs> well, quite difficult. Well, days. that's exactly um, it. That's exactly it. If you think about it, because you know, driving a tractor is not. You know, it's not like I oh, just sit on the tractor and drive backwards and forwards. It's incredibly complicated. Um, and you know, despite the fact that Clarkson bought a ludicrously over-the-top Lamborghini tractor, um, <laughs> but yeah. you know, which of course is just Clarkson because he, he had to. Because he had to. He, you know, an ordinary tractor wouldn't yeah. be good enough for Clarkson. Um, but you know, it's got sat nav and and things that control the depth and tell you when to turn and, and all this sort of thing. It's like flying an aeroplane. This thing is not just, you know, it's not the tractor of the 1950s yeah. that we all 
think of when you think of a farmer on his tractor. No, it's like an aircraft. Anyway, there we go. So I, th- I, th- I agree with you, Nick. That actually, and actually is a good use of self-driving tech because a tractor in a field yeah. Yeah. doesn't have to really navigate much else than the shape of the field and where it has to go and how many lines it has to plough or spray or harrow or whatever else. You know, it doesn't got to navigate. It doesn't, it doesn't have to worry about. It doesn't have to worry about what other vehicles are going to be doing. Exactly, <laughs> because yeah. there won't be any other vehicles unless there's yeah. two tractors. So, I mean, if, that's the big thing, isn't it? And if you've got two tractors, they're probably working from opposite ends of the field, and when they meet in the middle, they stop. You know, job done. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, and because it says it's self-driving, I, I'm not sure that I, I'm not expecting it to drive itself to and from the fields. I'm pretty sure that um, you know. A, no. a, a human no. driver. No, right. You set you set it up. You set it up, and and off it goes, and it yeah. just does the field. Yeah. I'm considering how big the fields are in America. Yeah. Well, and in the UK, in all honesty, in a lot of places, um, you just set yeah. it going and leave it leave it to the job. Go off and do something else. Um, it's very clever technology, but there's there's one worry in that uh, we're starting to lose the skills, the skilled people. Because when these things go wrong, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you're you're relying more and more on computerized technology to do things that uh, people did for a living. That is, yeah, but that's true. I mean, that's been true for the last hundred years. Though, yeah, practical yeah. knowledge is disappearing. Yeah, you, yeah, you're right. I mean, although to set it up and to program it, you've still got to know what you're doing. So if you just don't need so many people to do it. That's, mm. that's the that's the, yeah. what, the point you're making, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, and it will become an ever more specialized field. You know, not no pun intended. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, that there is that. But if we, you know, we definitely everybody knows that we need to get more efficient food production. We need less waste. We need to be able to do things more efficiently. Um, we need to do things more sustainably. So, although I can see some drawbacks to it, I can also see it being. And it's going to be fantastically expensive. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I expect it is, yeah. Yeah, but um, this is a bit of a side, but I, I don't know if you're familiar, but in America, uh, because combining, as you say, these huge fields and, com- you know, combining of, of crops is, is time sensitive um, and combine harvesters cost vast sums of money. There are, in fact, uh, effectively call them companies or crews of combine people who travel across the midwest doing it and, and oh, they'll that's be right yeah no, be... that's not just that's not just america it's the same same yeah. in the uk as well so there are it, it's, it's a specialist job yeah yeah and they have you know maybe eight combine harvesters and they come to the farm and do the combining and then move on to the next farm so, that's right oh somebody's phone near the mic by any chance Okay. Not mine. Not mine. Anyway, there we are. Um, yes, so that was the, the John Deere tractor, which attracted a huge amount of attention, unsurprisingly. I can um, imagine. And, yeah. and this is, in some respects, the people who are naysaying self-driving cars, um, which we all know is an incredibly complicated. <laughs> but this is where some of the work on that gets turned into practical usage. Yeah, you know, it gets right. it gets turned into practical usage in this thing, and that will just feed back more information into how to make it better. Um, and this is how these things go yeah. from kind of concept to first take to commonplace um, to 
you know, ubiquitous. Um, I've got one here. In with Promises World's First Soft Smart Contact Lenses, which was on CNET. Ah, oh, that sounds interesting. Now, this is very much... Um, Right, a smart lens which could deliver real-time information directly to your eyes. Um, the concept of contact lenses that can deliver real-time information to the human eyes has been around for years. Um, but there are several companies right now who are hoping to make this a reality. Uh, Mojo Vision announced partnerships with Adidas and other athletic companies for its hard electronic lens. Um, the company has demonstrated its device when held in front of an eye can display text and images. Uh, enter the InWith Corporation, which says it's developing the world's first soft electronic contact lens. Um, CEO Michael Hayes says the lenses will work with your smartphone or another external device to show real-time information, uh, such as what is the speed limit on the road, what direction am I heading, where is the next exit, and how many miles. Um, eventually, well, it, it, the word, I'm going to add the word eventually, but Hayes also says eventually, by me, the lenses will have the ability to help people who suffer from uh, presbyopia, the loss of the eye's ability to focus on nearby objects, by adjusting to scenarios in real time, eliminating their need for multifocals or reading glasses. Uh, we haven't seen a demonstration of this technology, but Hayes says the company is aiming for food and drug administration approval this year. That's so, impressive if they can do that. Mm. Just think how of the number it, of people who won't have... That's a good question. Don't know. What's that, Jim? Sorry? No, I was saying, how did they power it? I don't know. They don't say. <laughs> I don't think it says here. Um, Mojo Vision is working with companies that yeah, cover running. No, 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 it doesn't say. And they're probably not going to tell you because um, that's probably their secret source. Uh, the rest of the stuff is about Mojo, which is a hard contact lens. Anyway, um, mm. even if I hold a certain amount of scepticism, uh, you know, I like stories like that about things which... You know, we've all seen a million times in science fiction, and this is just proof that things in science fiction tend to turn into reality eventually because people are driven to try and create them. Yeah, perhaps it'll perhaps it'll they'll have movement. You know, it'll be like uh, movement power. You know, you know how you can generate power. Some uh, in some cities they've got um, uh, uh, pavement slabs that when you step on them that generates mm. a little bit of energy. Oh, well, no, uh, perhaps that's, perhaps they're going to have movement movement powered. So if you want to change the focus, you have to shake your head violently. From side <laughs> to side. Well, you could if you could uh, make who knows? if you could make that work. Simply the normal act of blinking might create enough movement. Well, well, who knows? Who knows? If you had some sort know, of the other uh, question is. Yeah, go on, Jim. The, the other question is, uh, how do you make sure you've got it the right way up? <laughs> yeah, how do you know? Well, I assume they'll put like, markings in yeah, it. Yeah, that's but, a good yeah. point. Yeah. I mean, the image they've got of it, I have to admit, it does have, um, you know, some sort of visible... Little marks inside. And Yeah, I don't know if it's, that's... It's not, <clears throat> that's not something I would like to try. Uh, but... Uh, I'm bad off with just wearing glasses, let alone put contacts in. Yeah, I've never tried contacts either, mm. but uh, it's still cool technology. And I mean, there's no reason yeah. why, if it works, they can't put that into lenses. That is mm -hmm. true. In fact, yeah. it'd be easier to put into lenses because you could put the power in lenses easy, in uh, in glasses easier. Yeah. So yeah. But anyway, it, it's fascinating, fascinating tech. You know, these are the things. Mm -hmm. Yes, we know they're probably a Could long be. way from hitting the high street, but um, fascinating um, and possibly world changing. 
you know, possibly world-changing. Um, and uh, talking of possibly world-changing, BGR have a report, China switched on its nuclear fusion device five times hotter than the sun. Now, um, I've read a lot of stories like this in the past, you know, about people who are trying to build fusion reactors. Um, the bit that is absolutely stunning to me about this is it says, this week China switched on a nuclear fusion, nuclear fusion reactor uh, to provide near limitless clean energy. Um, okay, the... Um, the artificial sun, which is known as the Experimental Advanced Supercomputing Tokamak, uh, or EAST, um, the EAST reactor ran five times hotter than the sun for 17 minutes, which um, might not sound yeah, a lot. That's, that's, that's the remarkable thing, is they've managed, to, they've managed to do it before, but usually only for a second. Yes, if that. So I mean, that's quite a lot longer. I mean, my, you know, all the times I've read stories like this and it's like, you know, so-and-so sparks nuclear fusion reactor or sustaining nuclear fusion reaction. And you think, oh, wow, fantastic. And then you read the thing and it's like it's self-sustained for a second or two seconds or something. Yeah, um, or th three hundredths of a second. Or yeah, something. <laughs> some of them, some of them, you know, fractions of a second because you've achieved yeah. fusion reaction. Minutes. 17, 17 minutes. minutes. That is massive. I have never read anything where a fusion reaction has been sustained for more than a few seconds. Now, that doesn't mean it hasn't happened before, but I've never read anything like that. 17 minutes. Um, if that is true and can be, you know, turned into a real product, even if it's in the next 20 years, we are looking at a complete. Um, a completely different scenario about world power. Um, so there you go. Well, that's right, because basically the wood, you could you could generate as much power as you wanted, effectively. But yes. That's amazing. And it's clean. It's clean oh, energy, whoa. isn't it? Well, you will see. Well, it's pretty, you know. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's probably, it's pro the, the question is probably along the same lines as um, solid-state batteries. <laughs> Yes. Which we keep being told are coming. They're coming. It's coming. It's coming uh, soon. This is another one of those stories where, yeah. But they are taking steps towards now, significant steps by the looks of it. That's yeah. Amazing. I mean, because the other big thing is, you know, how much energy do you have to put in to sustain it? You know, you've got sustain making it work yes. and making it work efficiently enough to, although if it's burning five times hotter than the sun, you're getting a hell of a lot of energy out. No matter how much you have to put in to contain it, you're getting a yeah. hell of a lot of energy out of it. Um, you could boil a lot of kettles. It's, 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 whether, you're, it's whether it can be self-sustaining and, and all that stuff. In there. Yes, it is. <laughs> you certainly could. You boil a lot of kettles from that. Anyway, that that was, you know, that that was something that hardly got any reports at all. And I saw it and I thought, yeah, this is a, you know, this really is, could be a world-changing event. There we go. Um, mm. uh, Canon ink cartridges have become an unexpected chip shortage victim. <laughs> um, in that, uh, yeah, but apparently uh, due to the semiconductor shortage, um, Canon has, has started to ship printer cartridges without the chips, which confirm that they are genuine. Um, so, <laughs> uh, ah. right. So Canon is now producing. You would think, you would think the printer would reject them. Uh... Well, apparently 
as a result, um, Canon are now having to send information to people who use Canon cartridges on how to bypass the the checking mechanism so that it doesn't <laughs> report that they're counterfeit. So they've now effectively had to tell everybody how to uh, how to bypass that so that it doesn't re- okay. doesn't reject your official cartridge as a possible counterfeit because it can't be verified because it no longer has a chip. So yeah, I found that slightly. Um... I have a very, I have a very, yeah, I have a very serious comment about that. Uh, I think we ought to take this very seriously. Um, I, I, I think I, I've got to say on Canon's behalf. Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So if you're right. So if you're right. So, so, so that that puts a a point on uh, you know recycling of these uh, cartridges. Um, yeah. A lot of folk will just throw them in the bin. You know, you've got a very valuable wee chip on that. That that, sh- that you should be getting money back from Canon to return them to you, or any other printer manufacturer. You should be getting paid to return these. So yeah. Even as a deposit on the the cartridge. A little bit, so a little bit, a little bit like taking your bottle back. Yeah, yeah, because I mean that's a valuable bit of kit. It is, yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, on big, well, this is this is something we were talking about. This is something we were talking about just before we started the show, Jim. We were talking about the recyclability of products. Basically, mm. uh, we were mm-hmm. talking about plastic, actually. But it's the same for everything. You know, companies have got to start thinking a lot harder about how they design their goods so that as much of it as possible is recyclable. We got so used to throwing things away. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I know with home printers, you know, you get these little tiny cartridges, don't you? You know, yes, little tiny cartridges that you have to put in and whatnot. Which are, and I know most supermarkets now have bins where you can take them and throw them in, and they will be apparently, you know, recycled or dealt with sustainably. Um, the one thing I will say on behalf of the big printer manufacturers, uh, having worked in the print industry, is Obviously, these are much bigger, you know, cartridges for industrial machines, or uh, and most of them obviously yeah. are are for laser printers, not inkjet printers. But you have these big, right. fo- like photocopier type canisters that go into the machines, you know. Um, yeah. But all of the machines that we ever had at work, like that, Canon, Xerox, Ricoh, um, they have a thing where you know you, as part of the contract, they take back all of the cartridges. So that all the yeah because we obviously we would burn through hundreds of cartridges in a month yeah you know three three or four yeah. big machines burning through um, toner cartridges you know we would be ordering I don't know two you know we'd be ordering I don't know say eight of each color for each machine at a time and as you burn through them you put them back in the boxes and they come with a bag and you seal them in the plastic bag. And uh, the couriers just take them away. There's no charge. It's part of the part of the contract because they are actually valuable. You know, yeah. they're, they're valuable to the companies. They take them back and remanufacture mm-hmm. them. You know, open them up, refill them, replace the chip, whatever else they need to do, and then they're reused. They don't simply throw them away. They cost far too much. The amount of no. kit inside, uh, you know, a, a digital printer cartridge is not inconsiderable. So, you know, from that point of view, on the commercial front. You know, they do. They're all taken away and, and reused or, you know, whatever. But home printers, of course, you get these piddling little cartridges that seem to last about two weeks. Um, and, yeah, an awful lot yeah, of them just end up my, in... Uh, except for my Epson 
my Epson Eco Tank one, which I think we talked about a little while ago. Yes, which yes, has, comes with proper ink ink bottles. Yes, well, I think I think if I'm going to re- you know if I have to replace this current um, uh, Epson three in one printer, as you're saying, it's got these stupid wee cartridges. I think what I would be buying next would be one of these ones, but that you have um, um, Nick the yeah big the Eco Tank one. Thanks, yeah. yeah. But but I'm in this I'm in the, the stupid situation of having a perfectly good laser printer. Uh, Hewlett Packard's are losing sales on the cartridges for it because it won't work with the current operating system that I have on my computer. Yeah. Because Hewlett Packard have not updated the software, so I've got a perfectly good working in brackets printer I can't use. Yeah, I'm sure they'll say it's end of life, won't they? If you if you approach them, they say, "I'm sorry, that's well, end of life." Now we don't support it's, it. Any it's ridiculous. So. Yeah, they, you know it's. And unfortunately, for all your efforts with, I believe, trying ViewScan and um, yeah, yeah, you know uh, the uh, what's it? Um, Gutenberg, Gutenberg yeah. print, yeah, and no luck. Mm-hmm. You've had no joy. No. Which is which is a pity because both both of those are products that normally work well. Although I have to say, Alistair in the Slack room has been um, somewhat miffed with uh, ViewScan of late because it has failed to help him out with his scanners. Mm. Um, it, all right. The stupid thing is, I can print off a test page using the software for this printer, so it connects to the printer. But will it print anything else? Will it? No. Well, the, pro- the problem is there that print a test page simply sends a signal to the printer and the test page is stored in the printer and it can output that. Mm. Whether or not the yeah. printer will now continue to print to your print queue, you know, on your in your OS is a different matter, mm-hmm. um, which is annoying. So, so what I'm going to do is find someone who needs a laser printer or a printer and say, right, if you've got the software that works it, there you go, yep. free of charge. Well, the other thing is, of course, it'll probably it probably still work on Windows. So you could consider... <clears throat> yeah, I know, but, you know, you could consider... <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know... I could, um, I could probably take it to, to my work and use it there. You could, you, could buy, you could buy a cheap... You could buy a really cheap uh, or get a second-hand uh, PC and just run it as a print, print server. <laughs> You could probably do that from a Raspberry and then, Pi. But then you can send it from your Mac to the... Oh, yeah, or, or Raspberry Pi. Yeah. There must be something like um, Raspberry Pi would work that. Yeah, yeah. You could yeah. Prob- but, you could but, said, yeah. but it's getting it to do it, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's a bit of a faff, isn't it? It is a bit of a faff. Right? Uh, yeah, this is the sort of thing people do because they can. Um, in mm. reality, yeah. it's probably easier to don- donate the printer to a local charity or, like you say, mm. take it to work or give it away on whatever, you know. Free to a good home. Doesn't mm. work, you know, doesn't work with, doesn't work past Big Sur or something, you know. This is a shame, but yeah, it's too good to throw away, that's for sure. I'm sure somebody mm-hmm. can get some use out of it. Uh, yeah, I've given stuff away. I've given stuff away on free cycle before. Yes, mm-hmm. you yeah. want to give it away yeah. to? Uh... Yep, yep. Free well, good home. Well, I, got, I gave away my Sony TV, and what was it I had with it? There was something else with it. Uh, speaker system. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, the soundbar. Cool. Yeah. Uh, to to uh, that was it. I put it up in free serve or free cycle. And uh, it's a, yeah. a man uh, whose son managed to smash his computer display, his TV display, and they've played the computer game. 
<laughs> oh dear. Sure. Obviously, lost his lost lost his temper with something. Uh, so you got a new twenty inch, what newish newish twenty inch trailer to work with it. So yeah, cool. They were delighted. Yep, that's, that's it. Excellent. Excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what we want. Anyway, uh, moving on to security and privacy, only a couple of stories. There was a story that LastPass was breached, um, mm-hmm. but they have said no passwords were compromised during uh, the breach scare. Um, oh, that's good. Apparently, um, uh, The Verge was told uh, by Log Me In, who are the parent company of uh, LastPass, uh, a Alerts users received were related to fairly common bot-related related activities, including malicious attempts to log into LastPass accounts using email addresses and passwords sourced from past breaches of other services, i.e. credential stuffing. Uh, we have no indication that accounts were successfully accessed or that the LastPass service was compromised by any unauthorised party. Um, it's probably going to be one of these password... Um... Previous password breaches. Well, that's what that's that's what they're saying. People were attempting to use credential stuffing. Um, yeah, that's the phrase. It says, LastPass is aware of and has investigated reports of users receiving emails alerting them to blocked login attempts. We work to investigate this activity, and we have no indication that any LastPass accounts were uh, compromised by any unauthorized third party. As a result of this credential stuffing, nor have we found any indication that LastPass's credentials were harvested by malware, rogue browser extensions, or phishing. Uh, we continue to investigate in an effort to determine what was causing the automated security alert. Um, right. Some of these reports were sent in error. Uh, we have adjusted our security alert systems, and this has been resolved. Okay. Right. So effectively, uh, there was a scare that LastPass may have been breached. Well, it wasn't. So that's good. Well done, LastPass. Um, yep. And apparently, uh, Norton Security, uh, Norton Antivirus, um, apparently is now installing a crypto miner, um, allegedly, um, which then skims a percentage of any uh, crypto it mines. So. Um, there you go. There's a report I've linked to on The Verge, which says, here's the truth about the crypto miner that comes with Norton, I- uh, Norton Antivirus. So if you're worried about that, you can read. Um, Goodness gracious me. Yep. Uh, <laughs> that amazes me. Well, I suppose it shouldn't amaze me because, the, 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 yeah, I was let down by Norton years ago. Yeah. Norton's always had a bad Norton name. for Windows. Yeah. Mm. It's one of these softwares, you, once you installed it, you had a heck of a yeah. time to get it back out again. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It was It was one of those things that clung on tenaciously. Mm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Once upon a time, Norton and, you know, Norton Security or Norton Utilities were some of the best in the world. But uh, Peter Norton sold it off years ago, and now it's simply the name. And it's for many years been nearly as bad as the things you can um, end up getting if you don't you use it. To get rid of. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my boss had it installed on his laptop, and his laptop slowed to such a crawl it was absolutely unusable until I forcibly removed the damn thing and installed something different. Um, <laughs> I think I think most people are more willing to use uh, Windows Defender than use Northern. Yeah, uh, uh, way back, way 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 back, early Windows days, I used something called um, Norton Desktop, which had got some of Norton's tools built into it. Um, and they sent an update one day and it completely trashed the machine that I was using it on at work. 
I installed it and suddenly the machine was completely, uh, I don't know what it did, but it it certainly didn't upgrade it. Uh, and at that point, I thought, hmm, I don't think I like Norton very much. <laughs> no. Anyway, according to Verge, the, the, the TLDR is that, yes, Norton installs a crypto miner with its software and does not make it clear in the initial setup process. It won't do anything, however, unless you specifically opt in. So apparently it's... Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> however... That's not quite a, well, it's yes, not quite we a assured. But <laughs> apparently, on top of that, if you do turn it on, they're skimming 15% off the top. So thanks a bunch, you know. <laughs> very kind of them. Yeah. Very kind, yeah. So there we are. That's um, you're, an old, uh, you're an old you're an old cynic, by the way. Yeah, I've got <laughs> I've I've had no faith in Norton for decades now. A long time, a very yeah. long time indeed. Uh, that's it. There we are. Um, Not that we're rubbishing Norton in any way, shape, or form. We don't want a lawsuit. Thank you very much. I am. I am. It's my per my. <laughs> you are. It's my personal opinion that Norton Antivirus and Norton Security is a bag of spanners. Thank you very much. Yeah. There you go. And you can you cannot <laughs> sue me for voicing my opinion. Right. Uh, I'm not That's alleging true. anything other than I think it's horrible. There we go. Uh, on to the worth of chirps before we wrap up, because we've been going quite a long time. Uh, AirCard is like a card-shaped AirTag and works with Apple's Find My app. Um from iMore, just like uh, Chipolo and a couple of other devices that now work with um, the Find My Network, as Apple have opened it up. Um, Rolling Square is releasing a Find My compatible tracker called AirCard, credit card shaped to fit into a wallet. Uh, pre-orders begin uh, begin in January. Uh, apparently, according to this, they be in. Pre-orders be in January. Um I think there's a G dropped out of there somewhere. <laughs> but, so, at, at first I thought, why would you want to put that in your wallet? Then after a while I thought, well, the better use for it would be like a bag, like a camera bag or a rucksack or you know, some kind of bag where you can actually hide it. Because if you think about it, if you lose your wallet and someone finds it, the likelihood is they'll throw the card away and take your money. <laughs> well, <laughs> that, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, but if it's compatible with if it's compatible with Find My, you can set it to you know alert you if you go more than mm. like twenty foot away. So that's the kind of you know beep 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 beep. You've left yes. your wallet on mm. the table before somebody gets a chance yeah. to snatch it. Um, I I, I yeah. can see it. You know, it works with Find My, and it's a credit card shape, and I guess it's probably a, a few millimeters thick, two or three millimeters thick. Um, I can see that being quite a successful product. I'll be honest. Um. Because well, I hope it's better than Apple AirTags because I'm still trying to get my AirTag to update to the latest software. It's still about <laughs> several, several firmware back. It'll get I sat, there for, a, I sat for a whole evening with it next to my phone trying to get it to update and it moved up like two, two, two points. Mm. Oh, well. Wish Apple would make it so you could force it. But... Yeah, yeah. A bit like AirPods and various other things. We need a make this do it anyway there you go um air card is uh what's what's the price uh that's what, what i'm just, i'm just looking i'm just looking um da, 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 no. uh tile slim no where is it yeah pre-order at rolling square let's see how much it is i don't see Oh, pre-orders open in January, so not yet available. No, no, no mention of the price. Yeah, um, right. 
Three million. Nice That's quite good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no mention of the price. So there you go. Um, so yeah. thin, you won't, you won't even know it's there. Three point two millimeters, which is which is pretty thin. Or yeah, replaceable batteries. Bind by beeping. Left behind reminder. IP sixty seven. Three point two millimeters is still. It's yeah. going to make your wallet a bit tick. <laughs> Depends how many cards you already have, doesn't it? So, yeah. it, it oh, they've got a pick from it. Yeah, that's not bad. It's a you know, it's a it's an obvious product for find my, isn't it? I mean, AirTags are great, but. Yeah. You know, they're kind of like, you know, like like giant minstrel shape, aren't they? I mean, a, a flat credit card shaped thing has been one a shape that people have made for years for obvious reasons. Um, there you go. So I just thought I'd mention that one. Um, and just a snippet, which I found. Um, oh, no, I've skipped over the, uh, the, the other one. Um, Alistair sent a thing which said, Today I learned my Apple Silicon Mac has three operating systems on it, and only one of them is called Mac OS. Um, and that is basically that you've got uh, Mac OS, you have um, the restore fallback. Uh, so, yes, there is there is the Mac OS, there is the recovery OS, there is a fallback recovery OS, and there is safe mode. But that is. Um, there you go. Just in case you didn't know. Um, and yes, the just yeah, a snippet. Right. You're only going to really know if you've had to use some of them. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, but yes, there are actual actually three different OSs installed on your machine. Um, this one amused me. Uh, this is on from the Independent. Goldfish learn to drive and navigate on land in an animal behaviour study. Um, basically, scientists have done the old kind of you know cartoon gag of putting goldfish in um you know like in a bowl on a <laughs> in a bowl on a robotic um rover and uh they've learned how to navigate in order to get food rewards i believe if i could get um can you, can you imagine going to a, uh, somewhere that does grants over here and asking for a grant for, for the goldfish to learn to drive yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, anyway, just imagine, imagine the reply. Yeah. Um, the robotic driving setup built by scientists uh, consists of a set of wheels under a goldfish tank with a camera system to record and translate fish movements into forwards, backwards, and side to side directions. Um, they tested whether the fish could navigate by placing a clearly visible target on a wall opposite the tank. Since navigation plays an important role in animal kingdom, the scientists wanted to explore if there were universal properties to independent of species, ecology and brain structures. They sought to understand if a species embedded in the environment of another could cope with otherwise familiar navigation tasks. Uh, we trained the goldfish to use the fish-operated vehicle known as the FOV. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, Phoebe. Yeah, there we are. So, which also, by it the way, it. by the way, goldfish apparently have a memory which is good for several months, not ten seconds, as people have often claimed. Well, there you go. It's probably it's, more intelligent uh, some of the drivers are on the road. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it reminds me of uh, it reminds me of a story I once heard uh, a long time ago on the radio, um, where uh, there was a program I used to get, used listen to. A satirical program that used to do a next week's news, and they'd they'd suggest some things that might be in next week's news. And one of them was um, 
scientists had been training dolphins to uh, dive to try and find the Loch Ness monster. All right. um, sadly, they were having real problems with the in- with the intelligence of the dolphins. Every time they explained to the dolphins what they wanted them to do, they they all rolled onto their backs laughing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Apparently, um, just just you know, to finish this off, uh, the scientists reported that the trained goldfish could operate the vehicle, explore a new environment, and reach the target regardless of starting point, while avoiding dead ends and correcting their location inaccuracies. So there you go, goldfish can. Um, well, that's interesting. It is actually quite interesting. Yeah, j- joking aside, um, mm. but um, yes, it's a square fish tank with two with a goldfish in it on a, a sort of robotic platform but it is very much along the lines of those old cartoons of a goldfish you know in a spherical bowl on wheels driving around on the land Uh, yes but um yeah that amused me that amused me even though actually it is quite a serious study and proves that you know goldfish are quite happy to navigate um you know not actually out of water but in an environment which is not their natural environment there we are and that's mm. all the that's all the stories and some diversions along the way. <laughs> Indeed, there we are. So, uh, after... like goldfish, like goldfish, we have very short attention spans. <laughs> <laughs> Except apparently, dolphins do not have short attention spans at all. Uh, uh, yes. Or as uh, you know, as Bob Levitis likes to say, the problem with ADHD is oh, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there we are. Right, okay, we'll wrap it up. So, um, Jim, do you want to go first? Oh, I suppose so. Uh, you can find me uh, on Flickr as RMEO. That's O in brackets, capital letters. You can find me in the Slack group. And I have some stuff on Vimeo, uh, but not much. Fair not enough. Fair enough. Links are in the show notes, of course. Nick? Uh, yes, uh, you can find me on uh, Spligosh on uh, Twitter, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H, uh, occasionally, very occasionally. And uh, again, I'm in the Slack room uh, on occasion, so do join us. Do come and join us in the Slack room. Indeed. And you can also find some of my uh, uh, other exploits to do with my church um, on the church website, the Erdington Methodist Church. Yeah, uh, YouTube channel that is. Yep. Well, um, all today the we did a service. Today we today we did a service with our with our minister who is currently in Lusaka in Zambia. Ooh, well, uh, and it and it went reasonably well. So there we go. <laughs> so there you go. There's something. <laughs> no, he's going to live out there once he retires because uh, his family are out there. So, uh, oh well. So at the moment he's he's been stuck out there because of COVID, and uh, mm. he should be coming back shortly. Oh, excellent! There we go. And the power of power of technology wouldn't have been able to do that twenty years Indeed. ago, would you? Eh? Wouldn't have been able to do that twenty years. Absolutely ago. not. Indeed. So, um. You can find me, of course, on the Twitter as at Serenak, and that's S-E-R-E-N-A-K. Uh, I'm always hanging around in the Slack room, of course. Uh, this is where we say thank you to everybody who listens. Thank you to everybody who supports us. Um, what else? Uh, that's probably about it. All the stuff is on EssentialApple.com, of course. And uh, I think until next time, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye. 
You've been listening to the Essential Apple Podcast. And I'd like to say, if you enjoy the show and would like to support us, feel free to go over to the website essentialapple.com and you will find links to both Patreon and the Pinecast Tips Jar, where you can make a donation towards the costs of the show. Uh, Or even, if you're really keen, you could set up a recurring payment. And thank you very, very much to all the people who already do support us. We really do appreciate you very much indeed. This show is, of course, part of the My Mac Podcasting Network, where you can find a variety of other shows like the My Mac Podcast with Guy and Gaz, the G-Men, Tech Fan with Tim and David, the Nintendo Club Podcast, the Geekiest Show Ever, the Three Geeky Ladies, uh, Bart Shots and his wonderful Let's Talk Apple, and possibly some more that I've forgotten. So why not go over to mymac.com, take a look at the available podcast, and take a listen. Looking for a show that talks about Apple and Apple products? Then Geekiest Show Ever is for you. What about Amazon? Google. Geekiest Show Ever is for you. Mesh networks, distance learning, all kinds of technology, interviews. Yes, Geekiest Show Ever covers that too. I'm Elisa Paselli. And I'm Melissa Davis. Listen to the Geekiest Show Ever on the MyMac Podcasting Network in your favorite podcast player. Feedback, show ideas, and reviews, always welcome. Thank you for listening and we hope to see you next time.